Let's uh, start with where you're from. Calcutta. Which part? I'm adopted. I'm not really Indian. I'm starting to remember. Saru, you're a beautiful boy. You're very proud of yourself. A life I'd forgotten. Are you okay? I had another family. A mother. A brother. I can still see their faces. What happened? I have to find my way back home. How long were you on the train? A couple of days. A couple of days. take a lifetime to search all the stations in India. Do you have any idea what it's like? How every day my real brother screams my name. I always thought that I could keep this family together. I need you, Saru. What if you do find home and they're not even there? And you just keep searching. I don't have a choice. What was she like? Beautiful. Every night I imagine that I'm walking those streets home and I know every single step of the way. And I whisper in her ear. I'm here. Have you ever been in one of those moments where because of your environment or because of what you saw, it completely changed your worldview? Uh, maybe it was the first time you went out of the country. Uh, maybe it was a mission trip or maybe, maybe it was a, a business trip that took you overseas into parts of the world that, man, just videos cannot catch the poverty inside of these places. Uh, I remember for me, the thing that changed my worldview in a moment was the first time I went to Haiti. Um, our church, we go on a mission trip to Haiti every single year, um, and it started years ago where I took 25 college students down, um, and the mission was to start in the capital, Port-au-Prince, and then we were going to journey up the mountain a little bit, up into the country, into this little town called Jacmel, stay the night, and then end up going way, way, way up into the mountains into this little tiny town called Sagan. And that is where we were going to do mission work. And I remember the, the environment of Haiti broke my heart because I saw things that I literally never thought possible. Where well, I remember flying into Port-au-Prince and I remember for the very first time I saw what I thought was hell on earth. I remember we got in and at this time they didn't have the big huge uh, airport that they do nowadays but we got in and went off uh, onto a dirt path and basically got out of a plane um, and all of a sudden it was literally a hundred degrees. You're, it was sweating, it was hot, 
you got on this little cart and you just drove to terminals, um, you know, and so you're outside the whole time. And then we got into customs and we kind of turned this corner to, again, just this kind of covered building that was more or less outside with no air conditioning. You're going through customs with computers from 1982 um, and there's just a buzz of people. And this was all just entering into the city. Because then once we got our bags and once we got everything packed and on these onto the cars, we then hit the city of Port-au-Prince, where literally from end to end was just trash everywhere. I remember they were trying to clean up the city at the time, but um, this was post-earthquake. It was one year right after the big earthquake. Um, in every corner, I'm not exaggerating, every corner had just heaps of trash that they had just backhoes just pushing the trash onto these corners and the whole city just stunk. It was horrible. There were people everywhere. As our bus drove through the city, there were people that were trying to beg for food and beg for money and trying to sell stuff, do whatever they could just to get by. I literally, in my mind, I'm going, this is one of the worst places, if not the worst place I've ever been. Because on top of that, because the earthquake happened, the buildings that were third world country buildings, things you see on TV, were in shambles. I mean, it looked like a bomb had exploded. And I remember looking at this and going, oh my goodness, this is horrible. And then we ventured out and as we started to get out of the city, things started to turn. And this is what got really confusing to me because as you see the city and all this depravity and all this um, just trash, all of a sudden it starts to clean up some. And as you start going up the mountain, it starts to get a little bit prettier. It starts to look a little bit more gorgeous as you can kind of see the view. And then all of a sudden we pull into this little town called Jockmel. And Jockmel, we got into this uh, hotel. And again, it was somewhat of an Americanized hotel. And so we kind of got up into the hotel. It was uh, had air conditioning and all that. And then you went out on the balcony and looked. And then you're looking at one of the most spectacular views of this bay of the ocean. Just you're looking at just God's creation. It was beautiful and I'm going oh my goodness it seemed like I went from hell on earth to heaven on earth and then the next morning came we got back on this thing called a tap tap which is essentially a flatbed truck and we started to then drive up the mountain and again as as we're leaving this beautiful town called Jacmel we're driving up the mountain and we finally get to say again where again as far as you can see you're in this mountain valley where it's flat and you're going oh my gosh it's gorgeous you know, and you're comparing it to Port-au-Prince where, again, you had all this trash, you had all these people, and, and you're going, man, this is so much better up here. But then you start to see the people and the kids rushing towards the tap-tap, rushing towards our vehicle, and you start to realize there's no more trash. Man, the views are incredible. But then you kind of look out a little further and start to notice that all the kids that are running into the tap-tap don't have clothes on. They're, they're running around naked. You got, they got, the ones that do have clothes are just rags, and, and you're going, oh, my goodness. And you start to realize the reason there's no trash on the ground isn't because these people are better off. It's because these people are so much more poor that they don't have any trash to litter. And, oh, man, for me, then I just realized there was like an aha moment as I looked out, and I saw thousands of mud huts. I thought thousands of people in dire need, and in a moment, I mean a moment, my worldview completely changed. 
Where from that day on, I decided, man, if I'm going to lead anyone to any place, there's no reason to go to Africa. They need help. But, but in our backyard in Haiti, right off of the United States, a few miles away, was the most extreme poverty I could have ever thought or imagined. And so we dug in roots and said, hey, this is where we're going to help. And so every year, like clockwork, every year we'd go back. We build relationships with them. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, and I remember coming home from that trip. And because it rocked my world so much, I remember going up and I remember turning on the water for the first time after that. And I remember I just shut it off and tears just started coming down because I was like, oh my goodness, how is that there? And here I am in the luxury of my home. And it just started to shift me. Um, and then the next kind of season of my life started where I started to have kids. And again, if you're brand new to Metro, you guys know I love, love, love my kids, love being a dad. Um, but I was so passionate about this place called Haiti that I literally decided kids, even though they're young, I'm still going. And so it should be noted, I uh, probably didn't make the wisest choices back then as being a new dad um, because I took off while my wife to Haiti on a mission trip with uh, two kids under the age of two. And so you could just imagine how excited my wife was for that. Um, but I, I was passionate. I was going. Um, and that trip shifted me and changed me um, because that trip we encountered this little thing called a parasite. Um, we got this thing called Giardia. Um, and for us, we went on the trip, came home. Um, my wife was like, take the kids. I need a break. Um, but I couldn't because our team, the entire team got so sick from this parasite where literally, I'm not even making this up, for the next two months, because we couldn't figure out what type of parasite it was. The next two months, I was sick as a dog. Every morning, this is what it was. I'd wake up and I'd be sick as a dog and I'd run to the bathroom and I would literally pee out my rear end. Um, and then I would crawl back into bed, pass back out till about two, three in the afternoon to wake up, rinse and repeat, blow the bathroom up again, and then literally crawl to the couch wishing I was dead. Um, and so me and my wife had a talk and we thought, man, maybe, maybe while the kids are so young, we should kind of put this on the back burner. And so for the last couple years, I haven't went. And here's what's crazy is how easy we forget the things that changed and rocked our world so vividly before. We're again, that's where this movie comes in. We're at Metro at the movies, and we're doing this movie called Lion. And if you know this movie, it starts off in India um, where this kid is living in poverty, and they're going off to steal coals to bring back to mom and dad to sell because they don't have anything. And I remember how this movie really rocked my world was, again, um, we're a couple years removed from Haiti. Um, we're kind of moving on with life a little bit. Um, and then me and my wife had date night. Right, and so we were doing like what we call red box and chill, okay? <laughs> and so don't judge me, um, but basically, basically there's no chilling, okay? Because this movie popped on, and man, all of a sudden the opening scene of this little kid drops in, and all the poverty, and oh man, I was just in a moment rushed back to my Haiti days. And I had this thought as I'm watching this movie and just tears are coming down out of my eyeballs thinking about what's going on in our world and the poverty. I'm going, man, how easy it is just to forget 
the things that have shaped our worldview so much. It's so easy to forget all the pain that's outside of the United States. It's so easy to forget what happens outside of the church or outside of Christian families. It's so easy to forget that, listen to me, our world needs help all around us. And that's where today, through this movie called Lion, the big idea I want to chase today is that if you're here and call yourself a Christian, Okay, our job, our goal is to go make a difference. And so the big idea is simply this, is I don't want us to be a church that makes excuses, but I want us to be a church that makes a difference. I want us to be a church that makes a difference. And that's huge for us because if you're here and you're a Christian, and again, if you're not, you don't have to be, it's totally fine. But if you want to know what Christianity at its core is meant to be, It's meant for us to glorify God through serving people. It's meant for us to go make an impact around the world around us. It's to make a difference. Our call, our mandate, the very thing that should make us tick is to see the poverty of the world around us and the human suffering, and it's our call to alleviate it, and not just physically, but also spiritually. Where John Piper has this amazing quote where he says this, that it is our call as Christians, it is our call to care about all suffering now, especially eternal suffering later. But oh, how we forget, right? Oh, how we just forget and we start to make excuses with our lives. Right, like we know it's happening around us, but we get caught up in our lives. We get caught up with our friends. We get caught up in our careers. We get caught up inside of serving our churches. We get caught up with our kids. We got to run to soccer practice. We got to take them over to hockey. We got to take them out to football. We got to get their schoolwork done. And then don't worry, I got to have dad time. So I got to watch my football game, play fantasy football. And we get lost in our own world. And I started to think about why that happens. You know, because the goal of this place is not just to start cracking on you and coming down all hard on everyone, but I do think the reason it happens is just simply because we forget, right? Like go back to my Haiti story. I don't think it's in any of us that we mean to forget about people. But I think what happens as you walk through your Christian life is that whatever Jesus saved you from, maybe, maybe he put your life back together after a divorce. Maybe he, he put your kids back and family back together after you met Jesus. Or maybe, maybe he relieved you of an addiction of some sort. But whatever it was, was Jesus saved you from something. And I think the problem is we just get used to it and we forget. We forget that our call is to go make a difference and to share Jesus and take care of the spiritual poverty that is outside of these walls. And so here's what I want to do in this movie and for the rest of our time is I want us to journey back and kind of use this movie as a snapshot of our spiritual lives and the call God has on us. And so again, this movie, what you're going to see is this kid Sanu ends up getting lost in this place called India. And what happens is you're going to watch him desperately be trying to find help. And I want us to watch the parallel of how this kind of physical poverty And this kind of being physically lost really does parallel with how we were spiritually before we met Jesus.
मैं दूध लेके आया सच में बोल कहा से लेके आए सही बोल गुड्डू मेरा सरू शकीला मेहंदी करती हूँ शकीला का ख्याल कौन रखेगा मेरा सरू चलो खा लो जल्दी तूने बहुत अच्छा काम किया है आज गुड्डू मैं भी आ सकता हूँ छोटा ही तू तुझे कुछ नहीं आ सकता मुझे जाने दे। कुछ भी उठा सकता हूँ सरू तुझे बोला ना मैं वहाँ पे रात भर काम करना पड़ेगा तू नहीं आएगा चाचा छोटा ही तुझे जरूर रहने दे ये तो तब मैं उठा सकता हूँ मेरी गलती थी तुझे यहाँ पे लेके आया रात के काम के लिए बहुत तू छोटा है इतनी रात में तू काम कर ही नहीं सकता
गुड्डू 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 Now I don't know what that does to you but that makes my stomach flip inside because you watch this little kid just take off from where he was supposed to be and all of a sudden he's going and going and going and he gets completely lost. And what comes next in the movie is that he starts to end up in places that no human would ever want to be. He starts to end up in a world that he doesn't know. He ends up completely lost. And what I want us to see is that spiritually speaking, this is what happened to us when we walked away from Jesus. Or maybe you don't know Christ at all. And listen to me, it's not that Jesus never wanted you. It's just that you're not doing things his way. Or maybe you have a relationship with God and maybe you're in rebellion or you're walking away from Jesus. Here's what I know is I'm aware where you're at is that spiritually speaking, what we're going to watch this kid go through is really what happens to us when God tells us one thing and we start to venture and go a different direction where it's crazy how the world, when we don't do what God says, really does ravage us physically, emotionally, and puts us in a place we never wanted to be.
Now again, I don't know what kind of emotion that draws on you, but I remember exactly when I was watching this with my wife, I mean, the tears were coming down because you're watching this poor kid going to all the people that should have taken care of him, right? I mean, I mean, the adults, why were they so mean and why were they just pushing him away? Why were they taking advantage of him? And, and your heart just breaks for this little kid. But listen to me, friends, don't miss this. Is that our friends, our family, maybe even your story before you met Jesus, this really is what happens to us spiritually. Where again, for a whole lot of us, we know what this looked like. As we walked away from God, we turned our backs on God. We said, you know what? We're going to do what the world says to do to bring me happiness and joy. And here's what's crazy is that we've bought into the American system of what joy and happiness is. And it's ravaging our lives and our families. Man, the, we're looking to the things that are supposed to make us happy are ripping people apart. Man, let's look at the family units right now. Like, man, you have moms that and families that have been just ripped apart by divorce. Man, we, we have moms that have a couple kids with one guy, and because he played around but didn't stay around, now she's left with a couple more kids, and then she was promised that if you find another guy and he's a good guy, then that guy will take care of it. And so she jumps into another relationship. And then that guy seemed like a good guy, and so instead of doing it God's way and getting married, they move in together, have another couple kids, and then that guy leaves. And then you have a mom with babies from different dads, and, and you just have this woman who now literally is in a spiritual moment of wreckage. Man, a physical moment where poverty is looming in her life. And you're looking at this going, man, we blame her, but we're going, hold on, that's the system of what's teaching us happiness. Right, like think about this. We got our kids running around addicted to porn. We got kids running around addicted to pills and, and we're living in this society that's never been more affluent yet we've never been more addicted to antidepressants. Like statistically speaking, America takes more antidepressant medicine than the entire world. Now you think about that because that's not how it's supposed to be. But listen to me, friends, our world, your world possibly is lost. And what do we need in these moments, right? What do we need in these desperation moments? What we need is hope. What we need is help inside of a helpless situation. What we need is a savior. We need Jesus, right? What we need is someone to have compassion on us to come into our lives and to start making things whole. And understand that is the message that our church brings week in and week out. There's hope inside of a relationship with Jesus. That no matter what your spiritual health is, no matter what poverty your life might be in, look, you come into a relationship with Jesus and he doesn't just fix it in a moment, but look, over time, and it's amazing how he really turns your world upside down, actually makes sense of things. And friend, the question is, is why would Jesus do that? Well, it's because he saw the poverty, the spiritual poverty of this earth and said, you know, I can't stay in heaven, I'm coming. Where's the biggest scripture that's written on all of humanity's hearts is John 3, 16, where it says this, for God so loved, I love that. It's not that God just loved a little bit. It's not that God just cared. But look, God looked at you and me spiritually broken, spiritually in poverty, spiritually hopeless and helpless, looking to all these things for hope and it breaking our lives. And Jesus looked into that and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave 
his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life do you see it do you see the gospel do you see that look we walk away from God and then we end up in positions that we need saving and I'm telling you if we will humble ourselves and we'll reach out or maybe again if you're a Christian you just need to go back and remember that moment remember where you came from here's what I know is that it starts to shift you it starts to change you because you start to realize man that you are adopted by the King of Kings by God all mighty and I want us to jump back into this film because at this point you're gonna watch what happens when you get adopted by literally someone that is a king of stature check this out Hello, I'm Swamina. Uh, hello, I'm John. This is Sue. Hello there. Hello. Yeah, that's for you. Good on the plane? Yeah, good. Sue, Mummy, and Dad. And we're so happy to meet you. From the moment you came into our lives. No, 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 let me finish. From the moment you came into our lives, you were all that we could have hoped for. More, more than we hoped for, really. And uh, more work, that's for sure. <laughs> you really embraced every opportunity. No, we're very proud of you, son. Very proud and very excited for this next chapter in your life. Yeah. Cheers. 
Now here's the twist in the movie. Okay, because at this point, right, especially spiritually speaking, is that what do you do with all this? Right, and I love that what's depicted in this is that little Sanu, he's, he's looking at a refrigerator for the first time. He's in this, all of a sudden, this rich, huge house that he's never been in before, and he's acclimating to it, right? And what happens in the movie is he kind of fast forwards in his life, and all of a sudden he grows up, he becomes... Uh, uh, a college student. Um, he's kind of making his way through life, but there's these reminiscence of what he came for. And what we have to learn from that is that we have to be much like Sanu, where again, if you're here and you're a Christian, okay, our call, our mandate is what? Go back to the big idea. It's to be a difference maker. It's like knock off the excuses. Let's make a difference in this world. And I love this because, again, if we jump back into the film, Sanu is in the riches of the world now, but there's this thing about his family that's still lost that's just wrecking his heart. And I love that because, again, us as Christians, like once we realize where we came from, once you meet Jesus, again, what is the point of us still being here? And again, it's to go make a difference and reach the spiritual poverty that's inside of our world. And the way I see it is we got two options here today. Is that number one, we can make excuses, right? We can say someone else will do it. Or I don't have time to do this. Or, or, or we can get so overburdened by what other people will think. Or, or we can be fearful of it even. Like if maybe you're a school teacher or maybe you work in the public sector and you're going, hold on, if, if I start going trying to tell people about Jesus, man, I might lose my job. This is me. You can keep making excuses or you can realize that, look, we have friends. We have family. We have people that, look, they were just like us. They were broken. They were hopeless and helpless, looking for things to give them all the right answers, and it left them lost. And I'm telling you, unless they know about Jesus, unless they know, look, they're never going to find him. And it's our job and call to be just like Sanu in this movie to say, look, I can't live in the riches of a king or in the peace of God without seeing the world around me that desperately needs Jesus. Where Romans chapter 10, verse 13 puts it this way. It says, for everyone. So this is inclusive. Jesus is for everyone. He's for black people and white people, rich people and poor people. He's for the people in India. He's for the people in this room. Listen to me. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul's very next word is to Christians. So he's saying, here's the hope of Jesus is that everyone's spiritually bankrupt. You believe in Jesus, boom, in a moment. Salvation, joy, everything that God offers in a relationship with him. But Paul goes on to say, but how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And the answer is they can't. People will never know about the hope of Jesus. People will never know about the riches of what a spiritual, vibrant life can look like unless you and I who know Jesus get off our butts, get out them doors, and actually go show people and tell people about Jesus. They just won't. And what does this look like? It looks like us getting out of our comfort zone and actually sharing our story with people. What I really think this looks like is it looks like the dad that you met Jesus. Right? And maybe you went through a divorce and maybe you have a horrible relationship with your kids. Here's what, here's what being Jesus looks like. It looks like the dad that says, hey, I might have been an idiot for 16 years, but I met Jesus and you walk back into your kid's life and say sorry. You know, it looks like, it looks like for a mom, maybe a mom that was addicted And maybe she just literally had the oldest daughter taking care of the rest of the kids. And here's what it looks like. Maybe you, mom, you met Jesus. Now you're set free. And here's what it looks like for you. It looks like for you to jump into your kid's life and beg them and get them to a place called church where they can hear about Jesus. You know what I think this looks like? I think this looks like a lady that just passed away in our church named Kim Varga. Now, if you knew Kim, she was a firecracker for Jesus. But do you know what it looked like? She had stage four brain cancer that really ripped through her body. By the time she got to the end of her life, it was literally everywhere. And I remember she came up to me and we were hanging out at the church and she would look at her friends and say, you want to find me, be at church because the church is the place that has the answers. What's funny is she came up to me and showed me this little video of her. She's like, Pastor, I only got two weeks to live, but you know what I'm doing with those two weeks? I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And she shows me this little video where she literally is driving around Detroit, finds two guys sitting on the side of the road in a sofa, and she just jumps on the sofa with them and says, Hey, I'm leading you boys to Jesus. Let's roll. And you know what else it looks like, what she did? Because it looks like her entering back into her kids' lives and telling them, I'm sorry, but you guys need a relationship with Jesus. I didn't have it for 34 years, but now that I've found it, it's changed me. And I remember I had the privilege of doing her funeral. I remember I was sitting right back in the back of the church, and I was talking to uh, her son-in-law. And so uh, we were talking about different things, and he just said, you know what? He goes, you know, before, before I used to be an atheist. He goes, but well, you know what changed me? He said, this church. And I said, why is that? And he says, well, he goes, Kim walked in my life, and I told her I was an atheist, and she said, you're not going to be anymore. Drag me right here. <laughs> that's, that's what I think it means. But then more than that, as he said, but you know what's bigger than all that? He said, as she was getting sick, she was like, he said, my wife, her daughter, had to take care of her 24-7. And so we were praying through things and thinking through things and going, what are we going to do? And, and she said, the only thing I can think of is that we need to quit our job. Um, at, my wife does, and I need to provide, but you know, we were barely going to make it. And then you know what happened is the church found out, and they stepped up and took care of us. And here I am in the back of this church at a funeral, and he's telling me this story, and he's going like all of a sudden, day after day after day, people from this church started showing up and making meals for us. He goes, there hasn't been a day someone hasn't shown, a perfect stranger. He goes, I don't even know these people. 
are showing up, giving us food, buying us groceries. Understand that is what the love of God looks like. And then he says these words to me that were so potent and so clear. He looked at me and he says, you know, the people that say Jesus doesn't work must not be part of a church that goes and loves people. And in a moment, I was like, oh my gosh, that is what life is all about. And sometimes we need to look back and remember where we came from. What Jesus has saved us from because it spurs us to shift our lives and say, you know what, I've got to get back. I've got to go. I've got to do something to reach the spiritual poverty of those around me. And so here's what I want us to see. Is as we wrap this whole film up, is I just want to see what happens and what's possible if you and I just shift our lives, we stop making excuses and actually make a difference and jump into the unknown. I used to Can I help? Um, that's me. I'm Saru. I used to live here. You lived here? Yeah, yes, yeah, I used to live here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for uh, Guru Kalu uh, Shakila, my mother.
Huh? It's beautiful. <laughs> 